Father, as we approach these words, we are so completely humbled by the challenge that is found nearly in every line. To be wise and not foolish. To to commit all of our plans to You. To trust in You with all of our heart. To control our mouths and to think before we speak rather than to allow foolishness to run out of our mouths like a torrent. To find long life and to find riches and to use the energies that You give us to seek wisdom like silver. To to use our words to bind up and to create relationship, to bind up wounds where they are in the human heart. We are so challenged by this. I can't imagine another time in which to live in the Western world, Father, where words are more vain and futile and useless and cheap than the one that we live in now. And I can't imagine a time in which we, we seek to live life on our own terms as, as a right of every human creature, Father, completely ignoring the fact that we are creatures, that we are created. And that You have outlined for us, Father, a way to live our life that is both righteous and healthy and reflects Your sovereignty in our life. And so we pray as we think about the importance of these Proverbs and the way that they impact our life, the way that we live, our relationships, our use of money, the way that we create our plans and live our days, Father, We pray that You will give us eyes to see them and ears to hear them in such a way that we are blessed, Father, and transformed by them. We are grateful for these words, and we pray all of this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight, we are going to tackle in one lesson the book of Proverbs. The title of the book, uh, depending on which version, English version, you're using, there will be different titles. Uh, the, the main title, though, that you find in the Hebrew from chapter 1, verse 1, is the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And one of the, the, the adjectives that we always describe Solomon with is what? Wise. And the books of wisdom in the Bible are in the main attributed to him. Uh, I read some time ago a, a quote uh, about a practice that Billy Graham has done just about all of his life. Billy Graham said that every day he reads five psalms to help him get along with God, and every day he reads a chapter of Proverbs in order to get, uh, in order to be able to get along with other people. And I think that that's pretty good advice because there is a lot of earthly, practical advice that's found in the Proverbs. Uh, a lot of a lot of times, new Christians really struggle with the deeper theological 
of doctrines of the Bible. I can remember when we were living in Brazil, sometimes there were people that we converted to Christianity that we, we brought into Christ and into the church that absolutely had no idea of what it meant to live as a Christian. They knew that the way that they had been living, which was dissolute and, and very immoral in every area of life, had caused them a lot of trouble and the people that they loved a lot of trouble and was very dangerous and unhealthy for them to continue in that lifestyle. And that was one of the ways that the door to the gospel opened up for them. And yet when they came into the church, there was absolutely no understanding of some of these greater biblical doctrines like sanctification and even how to pray. And so what we did on many occasions was to turn these folks to Proverbs because they're simple, they're compressed life lessons, and basically very, very practical when it comes to understanding what the will of God is for your life. And so many new Christians who have a hard time getting their minds around the deeper theological subjects of Christianity have been able to get a handle on the faith by reading Proverbs. The Proverbs represent a a common sense approach to the life of faith. It gives direction for those who struggle with how to live that righteous life, that life that is pleasing to God, that life that is viewed with approval by God. Now, even in our own church family, some of the best men that I know in this particular church family read a chapter out of Proverbs each day. And sometimes they'll even text me a a, a certain chapter or verse out of what they've read that day because it impacted them. I say bravo to that. And I say if you want to read five psalms per day and each month go through the whole entire list of psalms as well as reading one chapter out of Proverbs a day, I think you will be enriched. Now, again, as I mentioned this morning, Proverbs is a part of the wisdom literature or the wisdom section of the Old Testament. And a a very simple definition of wisdom, a little bit different from what I gave you this morning, is this. Wisdom in the Bible is learning how to deal with the realities of life within the larger reality of God. Wisdom in the Bible is learning how to deal with the realities of life within the larger reality of God, which means is that all of us live inside of our own world to one extent or another. We all have our own thoughts, our own desires, our own experiences, our own confrontations and challenges and goals and good things and bad things and high points and valleys during our day. And that's our reality. And wisdom, according to the Bible, is to live with that particular individual personal reality in the greater reality that is God. That our reality is swallowed up in the reality of God. And the wisdom literature is about God forming the human character in such a way that it addresses all of life's anomalies. All of those blips on the radar with faithfulness. And if you are reading a steady dose every day of the Proverbs, you are going to be blessed. Uh, See, Hassel Bullock, a great Old Testament scholar, has written this about the Proverbs. In its basic form, the proverb is an ancient saying that takes wisdom and endows it with youthful vigor. In a few piquant phrases, the proverb capsulizes a practical idea or truth in such a way as to lift the commonplace to a new level of mental consciousness. Simply put, A proverb is a God-delivered, time-tested, everyday truth on how to live wisely. I'll say that again. A proverb is a God-delivered, time-tested, everyday truth on how to live wisely. Now some, and, and, and I think there's some validity to this, some of the scholars have referred or thought of the Proverbs as actually an expansion to the fifth commandment, which is to honor and obey your parents. 
in this case, God is the Father and we are the children. His creatures are His children. And He is teaching us how to honor and obey Him with our life. Now, most of us here, again, uh, if we've grown up in church, have some dealings with Proverbs. And we're going to try in the short time that we have tonight to just hit some of the major themes of Proverbs. So as you read it, you can begin to see these things. Themes in Proverbs, we'll begin with the statement, Wisdom is, in Proverbs, God-centered. Wisdom is God-centered. One of the things that you notice about Proverbs is that a lot of the Proverbs don't mention God. A lot of the Proverbs do not mention the covenant that was made with Abraham or made with, with, uh, with, with Moses and the people in, in Exodus chapter 19. And the reason for that is that Proverbs does not assume that wisdom comes from anywhere within creation. The Proverbs, as it begins to expound and expand what wisdom is, assumes that as a worldview that everybody that is reading the Proverbs understands that wisdom is not generated. It is not derived from anything within creation. No one in Israel could ever consider a world where God was absent. And so as they spoke about wisdom, it was always with with the shadow of God over everything that they wrote and everything that they did. Even the most prosaic, even the most mundane elements of life, like like making a living, important, but in many ways kind of baseline practical. Even the mundane, prosaic elements of life cannot be separated from God. The wisdom of God invades and pervades all of, all of life, regardless of how exciting or mundane, earthly, those activities might be. Now, this is how the book begins. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know what? Wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in what? Wise behavior. Righteousness. Justice and equity. To give prudence to the naive. To the youth. Knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure. The words of the wise and their riddles. Now, as we go through this text, what I've done is taken, you'll notice that there are capital letters throughout the text. This is in a a poetic form or a proverbial form. All I've done is put them in paragraph form. But where you see those capital letters, that's the beginning of a new line of of the poem of the proverb. Now, with that said, and what we've just read, what is fundamental to knowing wisdom? What is the starting point? The very next verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let's say that together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you go over to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, you find the same thing being said. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That phrase, the fear of the Lord, it appears all over the book, and it means that He is the one to be respected, the one to be revered, the one to be awed in our life. It means that He is the supreme one in our life. And this is punctuated again throughout the book. This phrase, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, is found throughout this book. In chapter 10, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. In chapter 14, verse 27, it is the fear of the Lord that produces that fountain of life. We go all the way to chapter 22, the fear of the Lord produces riches and honor and life. We go back to chapter 19. Fear of the Lord produces life once again. In chapter 14, it is the fear of the Lord is what produces that strong confidence in life. That you're not 
fearful, that you're going through life with a sense of confidence because of the way that you're living and who you're related to. In chapter 15, the fear of the Lord gives a heart of wisdom. In chapter 8 and in chapter 16, fear of the Lord causes one to turn away from evil. In chapter 23, it frees one from the envy of the wicked. That is, it gets your perspectives on what is important in life right. In chapter 15, fear of the Lord is better than prosperity. The fear of the Lord, putting God at the very center, at the preeminent, the prominent place in your life, at the core of all that you understand and do and see and try to accomplish in your life, is the God-centered theme of the book of Proverbs. But it doesn't stop there. Wisdom is also something to be desired. It's something to be desired. This wisdom is not just for a select few. One of the really kind of funny things about Proverbs is is that it stresses the public nature of this kind of wisdom. Basically, the wisdom of God is something that is available to everyone. In chapter 1 and verse 20, wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. I mean, basically what Solomon is saying is that you can't go outside of your house without somehow being impacted by the wisdom of God. That the wisdom of God is so prevalent and so public and so available and accessible to you that you can even find it in the most public places like the public square. The very next verse, verse 21, At the head of the noisy streets she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city she utters her sayings. Wisdom is not something that that you have to go to some far off place to get. Wisdom comes from fearing God and putting Him at the center of your life and hearing His Word. Those who gain wisdom are those who have done the hard work of mining for it and being diligent in their search for it, regardless of how much it might cost them or how long it might take them to get it. Why? Because to get that kind of wisdom, the wisdom of God that's available and accessible to everyone, makes one rich. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as what? Silver. And search for her as for hidden treasures. I mean, notice all of the hard work here. It's about receiving a word, treasuring commandments within you. Training your ear to be attentive to, to, to hear wisdom and to be attentive to it, to incline your heart, not just hearing it with your head and, and allowing your mind to be some, somehow filled with the facts of what it means to live a righteous life, but inclining your heart, that is, to lean your heart in towards understanding, to cry for discernment, to emotionally be moved in your desire to be wise in your discernment of life events, of, of the words that are said to you, of opportunities that present themselves to you, to lift your voice, that is, in prayer, to pray for understanding, something that James will say. James, the brother of Jesus, in one of those latter books of the New Testament that we'll get to towards the end of the year, talks in the first chapter about God granting and blessing people with wisdom who seek His wisdom and ask for it. He says you need to seek Wisdom like silver. And search for her as hidden treasures. It's something to be desired, to be that wise person. And then number three, wisdom is the opposite of foolishness. (laughs) That's so profound. What it means to be a foolish person, though, is to refuse to listen to God's wisdom. To be wise is to incline your heart, is to make your ear attentive. To be foolish is 
is to clog the ear, to turn your heart away, to, to close your ear off, to not desire it, to, to, to ignore it, to neglect it in your life, to refuse to listen to the wisdom of God. It is to be fanatically insistent on living on one's terms, completely separated from God's will. A, a, a Hebrew, in, in any of those centuries, if, if you're talking about the, 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 uh, the, the, the 11th century in which Solomon lived, in the, the thousands B.C., or, the, or actually the 10th century, the 900s, if, if you were a person like Solomon or listening to Solomon and you saw this, this young child who has no experience, has never been around the block, has no core intuitive discernment of any of the dangers in life, you see that child rebel against their parent and against the instruction. What, what's going to happen to that child? The child is going to be damaged. There's going to be all kinds of hurt that comes into that, that kiddo's experience. And in Proverbs, the person that is negligent when it comes to mining the silver, which is God's wisdom, to be fanatically insistent on living on one's terms, completely separated from God's will, which is complete and utter foolishness. How could you expect to live without that guide, guidance of, of God's wisdom available for you? It means to trust God rather than the self is what Solomon is trying to say in the Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. One of the verses that I read, I have it printed on, on the, the, this manila folder that I put all of my sermons in. And every time uh, down here in the front, before I get up to preach, every time I preach, I look at these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. I tried to memorize it in Hebrew once. did not have the same effect as English. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23, Doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. And so is wisdom to a man of understanding. And then number four, wisdom is demonstrated in speech. There is, Proverbs 12, verse 18, There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Have you ever been around that person? That seems every, It feels like you're being stabbed every time that person talks to you. You feel like there is something coming out of that person and penetrating your body and coming out the other side. It feels like you're being thrust through by a sword every time you talk to that person. But on the other hand, there is the wise person that every time they, they say something to you or speak to you or converse with you or share something with you, it's like being lifted up. It's like being encouraged. It's like being refreshed. You find yourself going away from that person, feeling like somehow your day is going to be better, that somehow you have been given a, a, a gift, you've been given a gem, you've been given a jewel of some, some sort that's going to make your day better. One of the things that Proverbs says over and over again is that wisdom is demonstrated in the way that you speak. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from what? You guard your soul from troubles. What Proverbs says is that wise words are not the kinds of words that corrupt or wound or destroy other people. That's one of the things that Paul talks about in his practical side of the, the letter that he writes to the church in Ephesus. That the kinds of words that we speak to each other cannot be the kinds of words that bring death to somebody, that, that decays another person. And literally, he's saying do not speak to, a, to each other in ways that bring decay, but lift each other up according to their needs. 
Proverbs teaches that the words of wise people nurture others and promotes knowledge. Chapter 10, verse 21 and verse 31. Chapter 15 and verse 7. Fools speak before they think and their words come out like a gush. They come out like a fire hydrant and they wound people. In chapter 29 and verse 20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And then finally, wisdom is optimistic about the future. One of the things that you read over and over again throughout the Proverbs is that there is a reward for faithfulness. There is a reward for the faithful. In chapter 22, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And in chapter 12, those who live righteously will experience good. How many times have you gotten yourself in trouble or there's been some grief that's come into your life or a a, a turbulent time has come into your relationships or you've gotten yourself into some kind of a fix because you did not do what you knew was the express will of God but chose to live, as the Bible, Proverbs describes it, foolishly outside, neglectful, negligent of the Word of God, but we're going to do it on your own terms and gotten yourself in trouble. Those who live righteous lives will experience good. In chapter 3 and in chapter 10, the righteous will be delivered from death and will live long. They are rewarded for their goodness. Chapter 11, verse 31. But, on the other hand, chapter 12, verse 28, the wicked will die. In chapter 10, the wicked will be forgotten. But the proud will be humiliated. Chapter 29, chapter 14, and the humble exalted. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 35 He who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Those are just some of the basic themes that you find in Proverbs. There's there's, there's all kinds of, of different themes that we don't have time to talk about tonight. But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, especially in my own life, whoever spent any time in the Proverbs can readily see how difficult it is to truly live as a wise person. I read an article one time from some uh, from some ladies who were writing about their reaction as they read every year and kind of anticipated every year that the preacher on Mother's Day was going to be preaching from Proverbs 31 and the worthy woman. And how utterly difficult and challenged and confronted they were by that chapter that here's this woman who has a perfect household and yet she's going out and providing for her family out in the workplace and taking care. I mean, they just thought, how in the world will I ever live like this woman? And if you think about all of the ways that that the Proverbs talks about a pure heart. Who has a heart that is pure 100% of the time? Or what the Proverbs say about your tongue, who always controls his mouth and controls his words? Who is always faithful with his riches and uses the material blessings that God has given him in such a godly way 100% of the time? And, and Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, who trusts with the, in the Lord with all of his heart? And not only all of his heart, but all of the time. I mean, if, if, if this kind of righteousness is what leads to a prolonged life and a long life, are we really, really encouraged? In many ways, when I read Proverbs, I'm so humbled. I'm so humbled. But then, I read this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Jesus speaking to some people that are not acting very wise. In fact, very foolishly, they are acting towards Him. 
And in speaking to them, he says, The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than what? Solomon is here. What gives me hope every time I go to the Proverbs and challenges me in positive ways to live that kind of life is that there is one who came not only to fulfill the wise life, but exceeded it. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, it was Christ who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And in verses 29 and 31 of that same chapter, he writes, So that no man may boast before God, but by His doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and not just wisdom, but what? Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Those are the four words that I need and you need in our life. We need wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If I go to Proverbs and I think that I'm trying to justify my life before God and then I've got to do all of these Proverbs perfectly in order for God to accept me, I find myself completely discouraged. And I find myself without hope. But then I remember that there is one who was not only the wisdom of God, but He was the Word of God who came in order to be that wisdom for me, to fulfill it and to exceed it for me so that I can participate in all of the blessing that comes to Him. And those blessings are the wisdom that comes to me and the righteousness, His righteousness that comes to me and the sanctification, that is, that God is at work in my life, not just me trying to generate it by 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 uh, uh, ordering my life so completely by, by things like the Proverbs that I'm trying to just my, justify myself by Him, but He's at work in my own life, sanctifying me and redeeming me from my own sin, something that I could never do. So that if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the One who made it so. And that's, that's the beauty of the Christ that when I read the Proverbs, I'm being instructed on how to live a life that is worthy of all of the love and all of the blessing, all of that righteousness, all of that wisdom, all of that sanctification, all of that redemption that has been poured into my life. I'm, I'm figuring out on a daily basis how to live in a way that reflects that great blessing from God. That God is at the very center. That God is at the very center of everything that I do. Jeff's going to lead us in a song right now. and We, we want to invite some of our shepherds to come down here at the front. If there are some ways that our church can minister to you and help you connect to the one who is the wisdom of God, Jesus of Nazareth, in such a way that you, you have that blessing of redemption and sanctification and wisdom, all of that, then we want you to come down and talk to them as we stand and sing together.